How many of you can raise your hand this morning and say, indeed, he is a great God? Amen. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, we turn your attention to the book of Exodus chapter 7. We say thank you today to our singers and musicians for leading us so eloquently into the presence of God. Amen. What a pleasure, what a privilege to be able to come into God's house and to feel his presence. Amen. The fact that you and I can come into the throne room of grace and find God is such a privilege. I hope we never take that for granted. Exodus chapter 7 and verse 7. And Moses was fourscore years old. And Aaron fourscore and three years old. When they spake unto Pharaoh. A score was twenty years. So you can do the math. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you, then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded, and Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their incantations or enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Oh, hallelujah. Our God is bigger than the God of this world. I want to speak this morning on this subject. Two old men and a stick. Two old men and a stick. God bless you. you. May be seated. Thank you for standing. Moses was 80 years old when God said, It's time for you to leave those sheep and to go back to Egypt where you have been running all these years. Moses tried to make all these excuses. And the Lord said, I'm going to help you, Moses. You can bring your brother Aaron with you. That's great. Aaron's 83 years old. And God puts both of these men on a mission to free three million Hebrew slaves from the most powerful army in the then-known world, which was the Egyptian army. Now, ladies and gentlemen, at 80 and 83, most men are either retired or thinking strongly about slowing down a little bit and enjoying a more comfortable, laid-back, no-pressure lifestyle. I can just imagine the thought of going back before Pharaoh at 80 and 83 to demand something that you know he is opposed to. At their advanced age, it must have been a very troubling mission to be put on. It must have been a daunting task for them to even consider this this idea that they could come into this palace in before Pharaoh and say, we are here because 
We are on a mission from God. You are to let three to five million Hebrew slaves go free. Oh, really? They had to know that was not going to be a very favorable report. And to make matters even more uncomfortable, the Lord tells Moses and Aaron that he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart so that he's going to refuse your request. I'm sure at this point, Moses or Aaron, or maybe both of them, would have thought, maybe even if they didn't say it, they must have at least thought it, because I know I would have thought it. And I'm sure you would have thought it. Why are we even going before Pharaoh if we already know he's going to refuse our request? We are 80, we are 83, and you've hardened Pharaoh's heart. It seems like a suicide mission. The Lord says, here's why I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it so that I may show my glory. And how's that going to happen? I can see Moses and Aaron just sort of scratching their heads trying to figure out this whole thing. Well, we have this stick. A stick. Yes. That rod, you know, that Aaron carries around? Yeah. I want you to use that stick to convince them of my power. Okie dokie. A stick. A stick. Have you ever felt like that God just has you way out on a limb and now he's sawing it off back at the trunk? Am I the only one that's ever felt like that before? (laughs) I heard a story about a man that fell off a mountain and he grabbed a branch on the side of the mountain. He was hanging on by his fingertips. And he hollers out, can anybody help me? He looks down, he's, you know, hundreds of feet up in the air. And the Lord booms out from heaven and says, I can help you. The man says, well, what should I do? And the Lord says, just turn loose. And the guy looks down, you know, and he looks back up and he goes, is there anybody else up there? (laughs) Turning loose has got to be one of the hardest things to do in our walk with God. I mean, just turn things over to the Lord. That really doesn't sit that well with us. We like to sort of have a backup plan. You know, we're more comfortable if we have a contingency plan. We want to maybe have a parachute, you know, just in case. This, This airship called being a disciple of Christ starts to go down, I'd like to have a parachute. Speaking of parachutes, I heard another joke. (laughs) Y'all may have heard this. Did y'all hear that joke about Billy Graham, Hillary Clinton, and a 10-year-old boy that were on an airplane? Pilot said, we're going down, we only have two parachutes. And Hillary Clinton Clinton quickly grabbed one and put it on. I said, she said, I got to have a parachute because I'm the smartest woman alive and I plan on being the next president of the United States, so it's it's imperative that I be safe. And she jumped out of the airplane and pulled the chute. At least she thought. And then uh, Billy Graham looked at this 10-year-old boy and he said, Son, I'm advanced in age. I have preached all over the world. You still have your life ahead of you. I'm going to let you have the last parachute. The boy looked at Billy Graham and he said, Reverend, you don't have to because the smartest woman that ever lived just took my backpack and jumped out of the airplane. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
who says we can't have fun going to church. It seems like God loves to work in impossible situations. A 14-year-old boy in a slingshot takes down a giant warrior. A reluctant preacher straight out of the belly of a giant fish brings revival of repentance to the most wicked city in the world. God takes a preacher killer and turns him into the apostle to the Gentile. He uses a shy boy's lunch to feed at least 5,000 people, an idol worshiper to be the father of the Jews, a prostitute to save the Israeli spies in Jericho, and two old men and a stick to save the children of Israel from the captivity of Egypt. God doesn't work with perfection, my friend. God works with people. And in case you haven't checked lately, you're not perfect. I'm so glad God loves us people, humanity, flesh, with all of our scars and all of our mistakes and all of our shortcomings and all of our hang-ups. Hallelujah. He'll use you if you're old. He'll use you if you're young. He'll use you if you're tall. He'll use you if you're short, fat, skinny. It doesn't matter. God loves everybody. He doesn't need you at your prime. He'll use a child or a senior citizen. He's not coming back for the Aryan race. He's coming back for the human race. You say, well, I just, I don't know, preacher. I just don't think God could save me. Well, consider this. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. That's what the Bible says. I'm sorry. It said she was not fair to look upon. <laughs> Joseph was abused. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Jeremiah and David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was depressed. Isaiah preached naked. Hello. <laughs> Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. And God used all of them. So what's your excuse? Oh, pastor, you don't know where I've been. If God can use two old men and a stick... Don't you think he can use you to win your family? Don't you think God can use you in your school and on your job? Nothing's out of the hand and power of God. Oh, hallelujah. From the moment that burning bush got the attention of Moses, he kept trying to disqualify himself, much like you and I do today. I don't talk very well. I stutter. I'm a wanted man. I'm on the run. There's a price on my head. Egypt brought back all those memories for Moses of what he had run from all those years before. And besides that, Moses doesn't even get a sword. All he gets is a stick. A stick. And when God calls him out in in the wilderness, Moses has a stick. He throws it down and becomes a serpent. But when they go before Pharaoh, there's no mention of Moses' stick. 
They had to use Aaron's stick. They only got one stick between the two of them. There's not two sticks, there's one. And this thing is supposed to be, you know, wow, once they see this trick that we got with this stick, they're going to just immediately start writing pardons and freeing people, and it's going to be amazing. And they go in there and they got this stick. Pharaoh, our God has told us to tell you to let the Hebrew slaves go free. Oh, yeah, why? Watch this. Becomes a serpent, starts crawling around. I can just see Moses and Aaron standing back there. And Pharaoh goes, he whistles. Here comes all these guys. Pointy shoes, pointy hats. They all come in, they all got a stick. So these guys do your trick, and they all fill it in, they all become snakes. Can you imagine the look on, 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 on Moses and Aaron's face? Think about this. First of all, the Lord's told him he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart. But then I got this cool thing that I'm going to do with the stick. But he fails to tell him there's a whole bunch of people in Egypt that also have the stick business down. <laughs> you know, it really would have helped, Lord, if you would have told us that the devil knows how to duplicate this. Can you not pick one that the enemy can't do? Have you ever felt really victorious like God's given you a word and you go and do it and it just falls flat? And the devil says, that's all you got. I can do that too. But I love the fact that Moses and Aaron's rod, stick, ate up all the others. I think the Lord knew that. The Lord knows what the devil's going to do before he ever does it. Because in case you forgot this, God created the devil. So he's got his number. He knew he's going to do all that stick business. And so the Lord told Moses and Aaron, you do it. He didn't tell him that part because when all them snakes are on the ground, Moses and Aaron, snake goes around and eats up all their others. And now when they reach down and grab that thing by the tail and pick it back up and it becomes a stick again, all the other guys are without their trick. They've all lost their trick in the bag. That's how God works. He just takes everything the devil has and just says, you can't use that no more. You see, folks, this is the lesson. God doesn't need power from you. He already has all the power. God doesn't need perfection from you. He already has perfection. Now let me go one step further. God doesn't need praise from us. Because he's already got an angelic host that praises him nonstop. I'm going to tell you why we praise God. We praise God because of what it does for us. And because his word commands it. So God doesn't need praise from you and I. God doesn't need our power. He has all power. God doesn't need perfection. God does need something from you and I. He needs us to believe. He needs us to believe that if God be for us, who can be against us? He needs you and I to have faith. The Bible says when he comes back, will he find faith on the earth? He wants to know, is there a group of people in Palm Bay and Melbourne and Beachside and in the Southwest campus that are willing to say, hey, I believe my God can do anything. Is there faith on the earth? That's what he's looking for. I remember 
years ago when I was evangelizing, I was preaching in California, and a whole group of Hell's Angels, do you guys remember Hell's Angels? They used to be like a, a really big, bad motorcycle group. And a whole group of them came in and to the church. It wasn't that big of a church, and they all sat on the front row. And I mean, this was a rough-looking bunch. And I remember looking down and thinking, oh, Lord, you brought all these people here. They look like they're here to stir up trouble. And the whole congregation was nervous about it. Because back then, they kind of had a reputation, you know. In fact, I heard, I heard one guy say, you know you're having a bad day if you get stuck behind Hell's Angels with your horn not working right. And it just blowing the whole time. They were known for being kind of, you know, roughnecks. And they all came and they lined up there. And I'm sitting on the platform, young preacher, and I'm shifting back and forth. And I'm thinking, now, Lord, what's this all about? And I'm, I'm telling you, what if I've ever heard the voice of God? He said, I brought them here to increase the faith of the congregation. I'm going to tell you what, God will save some crazy people just to get the regulars fired up. <laughs> oh, yeah, he will. I've seen it all my life. And I said, well, that's good. We're going to have a good service then. I mean, from that moment on, I knew God was in charge. Boy, I preached and the Lord came down. And those guys started crying and, and they had their biker babes with them. They were all lined up there, you know. And, and they all started crying and, and, and got down to the altar. And before the night was over, three of them had gotten the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. You believe God can save anybody? Sure enough, boy, the people, the crowd started believing, congregation started believing. I mean, we got, we had revival. I mean, they, they went from being scared to death to rejoicing and shaking hands. And, Woo! Hallelujah! We're so glad you're here! I'm going to tell you what, folks. This gospel is for every single person. I said it's for every single person. You may have been raised different than I did. You may have speak a different language. You may be from an island. You may be from the north. It doesn't matter where you're from or who you came from. All it means is if you're alive and you've got a heart to believe that God can do anything, He can save me in my mess. Come on, God's got a miracle for you. Right in the midst of your mess, you don't have to get everything fixed in your life. Believe Him from right where you are today. Yes. I was preaching in Indiana one time. God brought this big old giant of a man into the service and then told me to go pray for him. I mean, right in the middle of my preaching, the Lord said, that man right there needs to be prayed for. He came here bound by nicotine. He needs to be delivered. And I thought, well, Lord, go and deliver him. When he gets all through it, you know, you finish it off. Tell me about it. We'll have him testify. Isn't that the way we want God to work? You know, just, we don't want to get out of that boat, you know, of comfort if we don't have to. The Lord said, no, you go pray for him. So right in the middle of my preaching, I mean, it was quiet. And I went down there and said, okay, God, is this you? You know, and sometimes you're not sure if it's you or God, you know. And I said, okay, God, is this you? And I really felt a confirmation. So I was like, all right, here goes nothing. I went down there and I said, sir, if you'll stand to your feet, God will deliver you right now from nicotine. I never had met the guy. He stood up, giant, big old giant of a guy. Had like a, a, like a sleeveless kind of shirt deal on. Had these great big arms. He stood up and lifted his hands away. I mean, I had to stand up on the pew, try to get my hand up on top of his head, started praying for him. And uh, he started shouting. I said, do you mind coming down the front? I'm used to working down here in the altar area. I wanted there to be a lot of witnesses. In the back, you know, you couldn't see a whole lot. He may start to strangle me. So I said, come on right down front. So we got down front. We started praying. Man, he started getting the Holy Ghost and shouting and rejoicing. And he said, I'll be right back. He ran out the back door. I said, wow, wasn't that awesome? Everybody's still looking around, wondering what hit them. 
And uh, he came back in and had all these packs of cigarettes, put them all down the altar, started jumping on top of them and dancing and saying, I got the victory, I got the victory, I got the victory. And then he asked for the microphone. And uh, so I, I gave him the microphone. Somebody this big, you don't argue with him. And I gave him the microphone and he started telling everybody that he never had been to church a day in his life and he'd just been told he, he was, uh, had lung cancer and only had four months to live or six months to live. I can't remember the time. And he said, uh, I just drove by the church. And he said, there was just a voice that came right out of my stereo that said, if you go into that church tonight, I'll deliver you from nicotine. He said, I thought there was something on the radio. I went on by and came back and thought, what was that? And I drove back by and I heard it again. He said, I shut my radio off, off and went by again. I heard him. He said, I went and sat in the parking lot and argued with this voice for I don't know how long. He said, I've never been to church a day in my life. But he said, from the moment I walked in here, I knew that was God talking to me. He said, and when that man prayed for me, he said, I felt this terrible taste just come right up out of my mouth. He said, I'm delivered. And now I got this other thing where I'm speaking words I don't understand. He said, what I want to know is how many of you want to experience what I've experienced? A guy got called to preach and gave an altar call. Right in the middle of it all. And people were like, yeah, come on, honey, let's go to the altar. We really do need to go. You know, I mean, it was amazing. That, you know, this guy just gave this altar call and God was upon him. And people came. There were people visiting from the Amish community. They had their little hats and wagons. They were all, about three or four of them got the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you what, God can do anything with anybody at any moment. If he can use two old men and a stick to deliver his people. I'm going to tell you what, God loves to work in impossible situations. In fact, if you really want to get God on your side, get yourself in the biggest mess you've ever found. And God will show up. You know what happens is we try to fix it, try to fix it, try to fix it. We can't find God nowhere. You know what you got to do? You got to just step back like Moses told the children of Israel. Stand still and see the salvation of God. And the Lord, hallelujah, will show up. Because that same stick that ate up all the other sticks was the one that Moses held up over the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went over on dry ground. He's got so much power in the very thing that looks so insignificant. He can do anything, folks. Anything. I was preaching in North Alabama one time in the city of Gadsden, and the former Ku Klux Klan wizard of the city got saved. I mean, people were coming out just to see if that was real. God can save anybody. Down in Saraland, Alabama, there was a man that had AIDS, literally had back when, you know, the AIDS scare was much more prevalent than it is today and, and, and people weren't sure and you could just catch it you know walking around and, and this guy was there and he had literally had open sores on his skin it was almost like he had leprosy I mean he was sitting over here and everybody else was sitting over there and while we were preaching this guy started running around the auditorium well you know as you can imagine ushers you had to kind of get over there but it was funny because nobody really not funny but it was ironic because everybody was trying to corral him without actually you know I was watching all this while I was preaching. And they kind of got him over there, and I heard him shouting out, and I said, bring him down front. He come down front, and he goes, while the word of God was going forth, he said, I felt electricity coming up onto my skin. He said, it felt like a thousand million little needles all over my skin. And he said, my, all my skin is tingling right now. I said, God's healing you right now. And I said, God's going to feed with the Holy Ghost. And right in the middle of all of it, we laid our hands on his head, 
and he began to speak in tongues and receive the Holy Ghost and jump up and down for joy. And ladies and gentlemen, I saw my own eyes. The sores literally disappeared on his skin while we worshiped. And when the service was over, the man went home with skin that was as clean as Naaman's that went down in the Jordan River. I've come to tell you about a God that's still working miracles every day, every moment. He'll do it if we believe Him for it. If we're willing to believe Him for it. God can do anything. i seen a man in Massachusetts come up out of a wheelchair. He had suffered paralysis because of a motorcycle accident. But in that service, he came up out of a wheelchair and pushed it aside and walked for the very first time since that accident. I'm here to tell you that God can do anything. He can use two old men and a stick. What can God do with your life? Don't disqualify yourself. You're more aware of your mistakes than anybody else is. God knows all of your mistakes, and He loves you anyhow. That's the power of the grace of God. That's how much He loves every one of us. I heard an old preacher say, God don't need no matches. He's fire all by Himself. (laughs) You know, sometimes we think we got to help God. God doesn't need your matches. He's fire all by Himself. Hallelujah. He's got enough power to save. He's got enough power to deliver. He can change your home environment. He can change your marriage, your work environment. He can bring your kids back to church. God can do anything. He's far all by himself. All he wants to know is there somebody that's willing to believe for the impossible. He doesn't need an army, just two old men and a stick, and he can whip the Egyptians. Just four hungry lepers that have no other option. He can whip the Syrian army. God doesn't need your strength or my strength. And I'm so happy about that because if we're all honest, as many times we don't feel that strong. Paul said, though, I've learned that when I'm weak, he is strong. That's what Joshua and Caleb had to learn. And that's what they knew that the other ten spies going into Jericho didn't know. It doesn't matter how big your enemy is. It only matters how big your God is. I said, it doesn't matter how big the enemy is. He said, but oh, preacher, you don't know what all the enemy's thrown in my path. He may throw a lot of stuff, but the more junk he throws at you, you ought to be encouraged. That means he doesn't want to lose you to the kingdom of God. The more stuff he throws at you, that means you've got potential to be a dynamo for Jesus and the enemy wants to short circuit it before it ever gets going hallelujah but God is on our side and if God be for me who can be against us if God is on our side who can be against us nobody that's the obvious answer because God can do anything and if we you and I can begin to believe that my God can do anything with anyone at any given moment, then watch out because God's going to show up. You hear what I'm telling you? God's going to show up and he's going to show out. He's going to show his mighty hand of power. Do you know why he had hardened Pharaoh's heart? Because the children of Israel didn't believe. 
all of those plagues, all that stuff that happened was to convince the children of Israel of God's power. Because for 400 years, they've been in slavery. Sometimes your environment will get really difficult, not because God doesn't love you, but because God wants you to believe for the impossible. You say, well, pastor, he got me right up now in a situation. I don't know how it's going to work. Good. You're right in God's classroom. He's got the chalk and he's on the board. Now believe. It's only two words. <laughs> you say, well, it's easier for me to believe because I got nowhere else to go. That's good. Throw all your parachutes away. Throw all your escape clauses away. Put all your other alternatives and options and ulterior motives away and say, God, I'm going to sink or swim based on the principles of God's word. If you're not the captain of this ship, we're going to end up on the rocks. But if you're at the wheel, we're going to make it to a safe harbor. You've got to believe God for the impossible. may look like you're out for the count, but watch out. Because God moves in impossible situations. When I was a kid, some of y'all may be old enough to remember this, but when I was a kid, I used to love to watch those professional wrestlers. I remember when, when I was young, there was a guy by the name of Dusty Rhodes. Some of y'all remember Dusty Rhodes? I thought I would be the only one on this. Dusty Rhodes. When I was a kid, Dusty was known for using his elbows. And he, he would put a hurting on you with his elbows. And, and they called it giving him a Dusty. Y'all remember that? Because we, I mean, I was in elementary school, but we acted all this out. We, you know, we, we knew it was fake, so we'd, we'd practice all the fake punches and fall. And, and then, give you, I'm going to give you a Dusty. And you fall down and... Act like you're putting your elbow on them. Oh, that Dusty Rhodes was amazing. Everybody else, you know, giants, you know, and they're coming there and they big legs and arms. Dusty Rhodes didn't need all, he just he didn't use fist or leg, he just had an elbow, a bionic elbow. We knew it was all fake, but it was so much fun. I'm gonna give you a Dusty! And boy, I remember, I remember watching Dusty Rhodes. Sometimes he'd be fighting somebody that was a lot bigger than he was. And that guy would, I remember one time he fought Andre the Giant. Y'all remember Andre the Giant? This guy looked like he was from another planet. He was like a big cyclops. You could just picture him with one eye in the middle of his head. They had a good name for him. He was a giant. He'd come out there and, it was like Goliath had showed up. And boy, he threw old Dusty around like he was a rag doll. And then plopped on top of him. Oh, Andre the Giant must have weighed 400 pounds. He was a big old tall guy. And I thought, Dusty is dead! He can't use his elbows. He's flat on his back. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how, but here's Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> and Andre the Giant is laying on top of him. And there's a referee over here going, What? And I'm looking up going, Dusty! And somewhere before three, Dusty just does this. And incredibly, a 400-pound man flew off of him. Dusty's got not just an elbow, he's got some kind of a spring in his belly. 
made Andre the Giant fly across the ring. With just a little... And from that moment on, things started turning, Brother Eddie. Andre the Giant was Andre the Midget. Dusty Rhodes got some sort of a new sense of strength. He started flying around and going up against the ropes. We're all like, Dusty! I got to thinking about that. Sometimes you'll feel like the devil's a 400-pound man that's got you pinned in a canvas and you think your number's up and there's no way there's going to be a way out. But if you can just give God a little faith, if you can just give him a little motion, if you can just find a way to say, I can believe God for anything, God can do the rest. I said, God can do the rest. You just believe him for that. That small that you see, so many times we think we've got to do something big and powerful and something that's going to be magnanimous. Well, folks, God has all the power in heaven above and earth beneath. And You know, professional wrestling is fake, but serving God is real. And there's a lot of giants. And there's a lot of obstacles. And there's a lot of spirits that would try to pin you to the canvas. Keep you from realizing your full potential in God. Ladies and gentlemen, I just came with a simple message this morning to tell you that if God can use two 80 year old men in a stick, don't you think that God can use you and your life and your pain and your suffering and your mistakes and your past? Don't you think God can use you? I've come to tell you he can. All you got to do is believe. All you got to do is say, I don't believe my day is up. I don't believe I'm out for the count. I know things are rough. I know I'm tired. I know I've been beat up by the devil. But if you can just find some praise in your heart today, if you can just find some faith in your heart today, if you can just begin to say, it's not over with yet, devil. I'm still alive. I still got breath. I still got a praise. I still got a heart that beats with faith and hope and excitement. I still believe that God is the one who is my strength and my strong tower that I run to in the time of need. All he needs is just a little bit of faith. Just a hiccup of faith is all God needs for demons to come flying off of you. We used to sing an old song, Faith, Faith, Faith. Just a little bit of faith. You don't need a whole lot. Just use what you got. Faith, faith, faith. Just a little bit of faith. You can be sick in your body today. And it may seem like all the reports from doctors, medical providers have been negative. There's no way out for you. Ladies and gentlemen, in a moment, my God can turn it all around. I said, he can turn it all around. You may have gotten some bad news today. It may be about a family member. Maybe you got it this week. And you thought, I never thought he or she would do that. God can turn it around in a moment. Can you believe right now? Enough faith, just a hiccup of faith. Is there just enough to say, God, 
I believe not only that you want to do it, not only that you can do it, but I'm willing today to step out of the boat and believe that you will do it. I'm going to tell you the next level of faith. If you can get to, he wants to do it, he's got the power to do it. If you can get to the, past the point that he will do it and get to this point, he's already done it. <laughs> you say, I don't know how and I don't know when. I don't know where, but I know that my God has already brought about the victory. He's already brought the miracle. He's already healed my body. He's already delivered me from nicotine. He's already saved me. God has already started the work. All I got to do is just believe him for it to be completed. Because ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter how big the giant is. My God is bigger. I said, my God is bigger. Sometimes God has to whittle us down to size like he did Gideon to remind us that it's not your power. It's God's power that brings the victory. But in the end, my friend, for those that can believe, God will do the miraculous. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Paul said it this way in in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And then he continues in 2 Corinthians 13, 4 by saying, For though he was crucified through weakness, referring to Christ, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him. How? By the power of God toward you. Toward you. Ladies and gentlemen, there is power A special power from God that is specifically designated toward you. You say, well, I know, Pastor, that God's got this universal power. He's got specific power toward you. You say, well, how do I receive that? Pastor, I'm going to tell you what you do. Give your heart to the Lord this morning. You say, God, I've been trying to bring about the victory on my own. But I'm willing to admit, Lord, that I need your help. The Bible makes it clear through the book of Acts what we must do to be saved. He said you must repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift. Everybody say the gift. The gift of the Holy Ghost. You say, how how are my sins remitted? They are removed when you take on the identity of the name of Jesus in baptism. They are forgiven because the Bible says that by his stripes we are healed. He became that sacrificial lamb from the foundation of the world. And then it's this outpouring of his spirit. That's the power. The Bible says in Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body. My friend, God wants to give you that power. You say, preacher, I just, I I don't feel like I've got enough strength on my own. You are in a perfect place. 
because God wants to show you today that his spirit will give you power you, you don't want to try to live for God on your you you want the spirit of God to come on board say how do I receive the spirit of God two things you got to believe you got to believe he's got power for you today and then you got to just lift your hands and worship God we have people that are down at the altar here that'll that'll pray with you I wonder right now if every head is bowed and every eye is closed I wonder if you would just talk to the Lord like you would your very best friend God knows what you're going through he knows the struggles he knows the fight he knows the temptations he knows the sin the shame the pain God understands all of that he understands all of that I'm willing today how many of you are willing to say Lord I just need your help it may be a family situation it may be something physically but if you're willing to believe God for a miracle this morning, I wonder if you'd just step out from where you're standing right now all over this building and if you'd make your way down to this altar. We're going to pray a prayer of faith and I'm going to believe that God will touch you. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, that's the power of God that is toward you. God wants to give you that gift today. You can't save yourself. I can't save you. But God can do the impossible. He wants to put His Spirit in you. Isn't that a powerful thing? Look at this! all these people that are coming. This altar is open for every single individual in this church. You just want to walk right now, right down to the front and say, Lord, here I come. I'm not going to try to clean up my act before I get there. I'm just going to come right now. Here I come with my scars, with my pain, whatever it may be. Here I am, Lord. I'm coming with all the stuff right now. And I'm believing, God, that you'll do the work. Oh, that's beautiful. Why don't you take your neighbor by the hand right now and say, come on, before we go this morning, let's go down to the altar and pray. Let's believe that God's going to make a way. Hallelujah. Let's just have faith this morning to believe that God's going to do the supernatural. That's it. Come on, right now. All over the building. Come on. Just make your way down to the front. You get down here, I want you just to lift up your hands. And I want you to just begin to say, God, I believe you right now for the impossible. I can't see how it's going to all work out with my natural eye yet. I don't see a way out of this mess. But I believe that the same God, the same God that used two old men and a stick, hallelujah, can use this message this morning for my life to be totally dedicated to you, Lord. Go ahead. Just pray that prayer right now in the name of Jesus.